We are back for another kick butt episode of the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. I am so glad you guys are here joining me. I'm really excited about this episode. The only thing that is raining on my podcast parade is that I am recording this solo. I am Kate, a registered dietitian here in Orlando, Florida. If you are a new listener, welcome. And if you are one of our regular subscribers, first off, thanks for coming back. And second off, you might notice that this episode's a little different than our recent episodes. So typically, I record with my partner in crime, fellow dietitian at Nutrition Awareness, and owner of Nutrition Awareness, Megan Pokachek. However, she just had a baby, so she's doing really important things like raising the future of our world, and we are unable to record a podcast together because her sweet little baby has a nap schedule, and she probably has a strict nap schedule too, and we gotta let her sleep and rest when there is free time. So you're stuck with just me today, but hopefully not for long. I'm really excited about today's episode because I'm sharing with you guys the four archetypes I see of struggling dieters. So just a little quick background, if you don't know, Megan and I work in private practice as registered dietitians and we sit in a room or facing a screen for our virtual clients and we have really deep conversations with people about their struggles with food, nutrition, dieting, all of the things. And I've been really interested in archetypes lately in other subjects. If you don't know what an archetype is, the definition is a very typical example of a certain person or thing. So you might hear stories about the archetypes of females or males in the the gender sense, or the archetypes of children, meaning how you were raised in your family and how that impacts who you are as an adult. Essentially, it's just groups of people in a certain category. And I started to pick up a lot of trends with individuals here in my office that I could group into different types of dieters. And it got me thinking, ooh, there are archetypes of struggling dieters. I have nailed it down to four specific archetypes that I find to be the most common, though I'm sure that there are a bunch of different archetypes if we really started to iron them all out. These are four that I see repetitively, and you might notice as you're listening to this episode that you might fall into more than one category of the archetype. Maybe you have gone through different phases in your life with nutrition, dieting, eating, and you have flip-flopped between archetypes, or maybe you embody a little bit of two, three, or four of the archetypes all at once. I'll tell you that I've experienced almost all of these archetypes in my years of dieting back in the day, and one of them still is a little bit of a struggle for me. It's the fourth one that I'm going to share. In this episode, I'm gonna share with you the four archetypes, the characteristics of each archetype, the underlying fears of each archetype so you can better identify which one you align with most. And then most importantly, I'm gonna share with you specific solutions to overcoming these archetypes because they can be really limiting. If you are somebody who is trying to find a healthier relationship with food, have a better balance with how you eat and your lifestyle, you don't wanna be overly restricted and you don't wanna be deprived, but you also don't wanna just be flying off the handrails and just eating whatever because it sounds good, these solutions are really going to help you make some mindset shifts. 
So without further ado, let's start with the first archetype. I think that anybody who has uh, been on more than one diet at one point will identify with this archetype, and that is that of the yo-yo dieter, aka the jumper, yes. The yo-yo dieter is somebody who cannot stay consistent with one path of eating or a workout plan or a meal plan, whatever thing that they're doing. It just does not seem to last very long. And if you aren't or haven't been a yo-yo dieter, I have a hunch that you probably know one in your life, whether you know it or not. These people are always looking for the next best thing, the quickest fix. I mean, they're the people that are trying all the BS you see online. They are always buying new supplements, swearing that this one burns fat and this one revs up your metabolism, blah, blah, blah. Uh, They're always jumping on the fad bandwagon. They're popping vitamins like they're candy. They're telling you what they can and can't eat and you just can't even keep up with what they're allowed to eat this month because it's always different. These people struggle with sustainability of any kind of eating pattern, and the eating patterns that they adopt aren't very intuitive, they're not very natural. They're usually following some structured plan or adopting some idea that they did not come up with on their own. Many of these people may get some results for a short period of time, whether it's significant or not. And this can be a real problem, especially for the first time an individual goes on a extreme, an extreme diet, simply because this trains the brain to believe that, ooh, restrictive methods equal results. And while this is true, many of these diets or the impatient nature of the people who follow the yo-yo dieter archetype uh, means that these results are not going to last long term. But this brain, your brain starts to make connections. It's saying, oh, okay, uh, as soon as I start to restrict myself and I start to overexercise and I'm following some new protocol, I lose three pounds. So this must be the, the right way to do it. I just need to stick to it longer this time. Uh, I keep messing up, but if I just stuck to it longer, if I just tried this new method or if I just made this tweak, then it will work. So they just keep reinforcing this pattern that dieting is the answer and for many people it just is not and that's why they just get caught up in this cycle. Oftentimes the reason why people jump off of this cycle is because they get bored with the current program they're following. Maybe for a simple example, they have cut out gluten and they find it so hard and so tedious or exhausting or boring to follow a gluten-free diet. So they just make little exceptions and then the next thing you know, the gluten diet is ancient history. They might also find it too restrictive or depriving and they just say, whatever, I'm over it. And they just pick up a new diet in a week or two's time. They also might get peer pressured into stopping an approach or starting a new one, and this can be a real problem I see with our clients here sometimes. They might find a really sustainable pattern of eating for them, which we can still categorize as a diet. A diet is simply the term for the way you eat or what your eating patterns are, what food you eat. Diet is a very generic term that we've just changed to label specific fads. Um, So they might find a really sustainable diet that they enjoy, that they're getting results on, but it's just happening a little bit slower than they'd like. And then somebody else tells them about this new juice cleanse they're doing or these meal replacement shakes they're drinking twice a day. And they're just like, ooh, okay. And they want to 
jump ship and go back to a restrictive diet in an effort to accelerate results and lo and behold that cycle continues. The underlying fears of this archetype tend to include the fear of being rejected by others if they do not meet a certain body shape or size standard. This standard can vary based on your cultural backgrounds, your peer group, whatever it might be. They're just afraid they won't be good enough if they don't look or eat a certain way. Uh, These people may often have an underlying fear of commitment, right? And perhaps even a fear of success. So what do you do if you are the yo-yo dieter? Well, first I would say admit to yourself that you are the yo-yo dieter. And this could be true for any of these archetypes. Uh, As soon as you start to face the facts and identify with a specific way of being, only then can you become aware enough to make a change. So look yourself in the mirror metaphorically, of course, and say, I'm a yo-yo dieter and audit all of your eating habits and pick one to three sustainable ones that you actually enjoy or believe in and commit to them. Okay, so for an example, if you're used to following a plethora of restrictions or rules on a diet, and maybe in your experience, you have found that a few of those are actually quite doable or you enjoy them, or that they weren't so over restrictive, pick one, pick two, pick three, and commit to them wholeheartedly and put a timestamp on it if you have to. I don't, I don't really agree with that per se, but if it, that keeps you going for a long time just to test it out and see if it's worth doing, then you can commit to them and you won't get distracted by uh, shiny objects in the window, right? You can stay the course and stay focused and really assess which eating patterns work for you and which ones don't. But if you do too many at one time or you don't stick to something long enough, you'll never be able to properly assess their effectiveness. The other thing I would say that's extremely important for anybody who identifies with a yo-yo diet or archetype, or really a lot of these archetypes, is to get accountability in three different ways. The first and arguably the most important is to take personal accountability. Ugh, yes, you have to be accountable for yourself no matter what. So somehow setting up a system for yourself, writing out your goals, adopting a daily journal practice, um, tracking things, whatever works for you, set up some personal accountability to hold you to these one to three eating behaviors you are committing to. The second one would be social accountability. Make sure you've got some people in your corner who are going to hold you accountable, whether it's through their own behaviors, mindsets, or talk about food, or if you're actually telling people like, hey, this is what I'm doing. Uh, These are the goals I'm sticking to. I would really appreciate your help if you support me in in trying this new way of eating. It's really important to me. I'm trying to achieve this goal and I have this bad habit of of following through or falling through too often. So please uh, hold me accountable. Uh, You can find these people at gyms. You can find them at work and your peer groups. I would encourage you to immerse yourself in populations where people are going to be like-minded as you, but if that's absolutely not possible given your geographical location or your social situation, you have the World Wide Web. Might I suggest the internet, social media, find people who are in alignment with your specific goals, but I will say this and then I'll leave it at that is there's a lot of quacks out there, there's a lot of people trying to sell you stuff. It's just facts. Um, They might try to overwhelm you. You could get inundated in information and again, be distracted by some of those shiny objects in the window, those other diets or protocols. 
And if that would be triggering for you, then perhaps narrowing down your social media following would be wise, doing some spring cleaning as they say. The other form of accountability would be professional. Get professional accountability. Uh, I'm a registered dietitian. I can tell you firsthand that people who invest time, money, and energy into speaking with a registered dietitian to achieve their health goals have a much, much higher chance of staying accountable, following through with their commitments, and lo and behold, achieving results. If you feel like you have some personal accountability, or maybe you have a lot of social accountability, but for some reason it just doesn't stick, I'd highly encourage you to work with a registered dietitian. You can work with Megan and I. We have several different options for somebody who wants to work with a dietitian and see their goals through for the long haul. If you are not local to Orlando, Florida, which is where our in-person office is located, we have something called the Daily Accountability Program, and it is designed just for this purpose, to hold you accountable to your health goals and commitments. It is a virtual 30-day program where we help you set the right goals to achieve your ultimate vision of health, and then we hold you accountable to them every single day while answering questions and educating you about healthy nutrition along the way. It's really a foolproof way to see success because you have a virtual dietitian in your pocket. If this is something that catches your interest, if you're sitting here like, ooh, like that sounds like a program for me, I encourage you to log on to our website, orlandodietitian.com backslash coaching, and scroll down to the bottom and apply for our daily accountability program. You'll see testimonials for our daily accountability program. You'll see the short application because we do require an application for DAP. Uh, That's what we call it for short DAP, DAP. And uh, we just only take a select amount of clients per month because it is just so one-on-one. So if you need that professional accountability, I highly recommend you go to our website, orlandodietitian.com backslash coaching and apply. I'll make sure I link that in the show notes. But that is the yo-yo dieter archetype. The second one, I love this one. These are my favorite kind of people. They are the dreamers. They dream about achieving their ultimate goals. They are the kind of people that brainstorm them and they write out all these lists and all the things that they're going to do and all the changes they're gonna make and they create vision boards and they write out exactly how it's going to look and feel when they achieve their ultimate idea of health. But God bless these people, they don't take any action. (laughs) Maybe they take action for like a couple days, but they just forget about it. Uh, They constantly are thinking about it, but maybe it's just not as important on the day-to-day. It's just kind of something they want, but don't really connect with, meaning that goal or that desire to get healthier is something they know they want. They just haven't really reached that point within them where they're like, yes, I, I have to make a change. Maybe they haven't hit that rock bottom. You'll often hear these people talking about what they're going to do. Uh, the, maybe they'll say like, oh, I'll start tomorrow, or I'll start Monday, but they never really do. Uh, they make New Year's resolutions and just forget about them in two weeks. Like they are that kind of person. They simply just do not commit to the t- changes they either know or plan to make. Oftentimes the dreamers have a fear of failure. They have a fear of being judged. 
And they may also have a fear of letting other people down. They're afraid that if they commit to something, uh, working with a coach, working with a trainer, doing something with friends, that if they don't follow through, maybe they don't have the confidence that they'll follow through, they're afraid they'll let other people down and, and be judged or rejected for that. You may find this to be true in other areas of your life, maybe creative or professional pursuits, but in the specific context of dieting, I think a lot of us have either been this person or know this person. And here's the advice I would say for the dreamer. You have to get crystal clear on your why. Why, why, why do you want to change how you eat, change your body, change your health, change your relationship with food? Why? You need to dig deep. And if you don't know where to start with this, I have a few suggestions. One is to look up a video on YouTube called The Seven Whys. I do this with clients and it gets a little intense sometimes, so I only do it with clients I'm close with or who I ask permission to get vulnerable with. And it's where I ask them right off the bat, why do you want to lose weight? And typically the first answer I get is fairly superficial. Uh, and I don't mean superficial in a bad way, it's just facts. It's uh, I, I just want to look better in my clothes and I want to be able to fit into last season's jeans. And I say, okay, why do you want to look better in clothes and fit into last season's jeans? So that's the second why. And they'll say, oh, because I want to feel more confident in the skin I'm in. I just, I want to be able to go shopping and feel really good about myself and show up in the world. And I say, okay, well, why is it important to you to be able to feel confident when you show up in the world? And they answer it again. And you can see the trend here. The more whys you get to, aka the seven whys, the more the person is able to connect with the real underlying purpose as to why they want to change their life. And oftentimes the tears come around guys, it's a little intense. So I would encourage you to either do this by yourself or with someone you trust and who will support you because by the time you get to that sixth or seventh why it's no longer oh, i want to feel good in my clothes it's oh i just feel so insecure around my husband and i'm afraid he's going to reject me like my mom did when she would make comments about my weight when i was 12. it gets that real and when you can really understand the reasoning well sometimes the solution isn't necessarily changing your diet or changing your body it's more so, oh, maybe it's having a conversation with your husband about your insecurities around food because maybe he could be actually the one to help you overcome them and, and work through some of these issues. Maybe it's not another diet or maybe it is. Maybe it is how you're eating. Maybe it is the food you're putting in your body that's causing you to feel so blah and you feel blah when you want to feel great and you can start to feel great by changing how you treat yourself. You don't have to wait until you get to that perfect weight or that perfect pant size to start feeling good. So I really encourage you to try these seven wise practice. It really helps you connect with your bigger purpose. And in those moments where you find yourself wanting to cut course, I always like to ask myself this question or I tell clients to ask themselves this question is, hey, you know, what's it gonna cost you in the long run or in the short term if you don't make these changes, if you keep dreaming, if you don't get clear on your purpose or your why, what's it going to cost your family and your loved ones? Are they going to have to watch you suffer? Are they going to suffer financially? Are you going to have to suffer through bad health and inability to do all the things you love? I've had people tell me when I ask them this question that if they don't start taking action, it's going to cost them their 
quality of life because they can't even walk to the mailbox without huffing and puffing, let alone go play with their daughter on a playground. Or it's gonna cost them their ability to maintain their career. Maybe they're doing something that's on their feet and it's just wiping them out and they come home and they can't do anything because they're achy and, and tired and ugh, because they just simply aren't fueling themselves the right way or maybe they're carrying an unhealthy amount of weight for them specifically and they just don't feel good, it's hurting their joints. So when you can get clear on perhaps the negative consequence of what's not or what's going to happen if you don't change, that can be motivating in yourself. So deciding what's going to be more motivating for you. Is it something that's positive or is it something that could potentially happen that's negative? That can really kick the dreamer into gear and help them overcome those little fears of, of being judged or letting other people down because there are more things at stake. The third archetype is the perfectionist or someone who is known to be all in or not at all in, the all or nothing type. These people dive headfirst into a diet or program. They are the ones who spend so much time making ever, making sure everything is perfect. They've got their perfect grocery list and their meals are planned and their Tupperware is clean and polished and they have the exact numbers of calories or macros that they're gonna eat. They set timers on their phone to remind them when to eat. I mean, it is all planned to a T. And oftentimes, these people are the complete opposites of the dreamers because they plan everything to a T and execute until they inevitably mess up, which happens. It happens because if you try to control every single variable, maybe you can do it for a week. Maybe you're awesome and can do it for a month. But as soon as something comes up like, oh, I don't know, a natural disaster or a global pandemic or perhaps a work event, or maybe you get uh, an there's an emergency in your family or you have to run an unexpected errand, or you burn all the food that you plan to roast in the oven for your lunches for the week, then you freak out and you give up entirely. The perfectionist will find an excuse to give up as soon as one little tiny thing goes awry. I see this in people who follow really strict number-based diets, meaning they can only eat, let's say, 1,400 calories and 112 grams of protein or whatever it might be. As soon as they either overeat by 50 calories or maybe they don't meet their protein goal, they say, ah, oh, screw it, I already messed up. I might as well just start again tomorrow. I might as well just keep eating the thing I really want because I'm already 50 calories over and it doesn't matter. And this typically results in a binge or making some kind of unhealthy decision or skipping the workouts that they committed to or meeting their friend for a walk or staying up late on their phone when they plan to get eight hours of sleep. You name it, it just all falls apart as soon as they break one little rule. And oftentimes, you guys, the irony of this whole thing is these rules are often really arbitrary. Like they're just kind of like made up from beliefs that these people have about food. Uh, oftentimes the perfectionist has been the yo-yo dieter before and they start to have this old shelf is how I'd speak of it uh, metaphorically in their head where they've got all these rules just piling up. They're like, okay, when I followed keto, I learned that carbs were bad and I should be eating more fats. But then when I follow the vegan diet, I learned that I should be only eating these carbohydrates that align with the Whole30. And then when I followed the paleo diet, I learned that I can only eat, the, it gets 
craziness. And soon all of these rules are building up in the back of their psyche and they're getting overwhelmed and they're constantly overanalyzing every single decision that they make, making it impossible to follow any kind of perfect diet, right? Perfect here in quotes, because it's like impossible for them not to break some kind of rule. They've just gotten to be so out of control that there's just nothing left that this person can eat. And so they just say, you know what, like whatever, if I can't, you know, I can't have this kind bar because there's nuts and it's too high in fat, but then there's also dark chocolate. And you know, they used this certain ingredient that I thought was bad on the Whole30 or whatever it might be. So I'm just gonna eat the Snickers bar because it's what I really want and screw it. So you can see how this becomes a problem also, we, we can talk about the human nature of just wanting to break rules, right? I mean, rules are meant to be broken. We always want what we cannot have. If you've listened to the podcast before, you've probably heard me speak about uh, the diet or the dating metaphor. I love to make connections between dating and dieting because I guess I'm interested in both, okay? Young single girl out here, 27, what's up? Um, but you always want that person that just doesn't want you. If you think back to high school or maybe in your current life, that bad boy at school with the biker jacket. <laughs> he just doesn't care. He just does what he wants and you want him, but you can't have him. So he just becomes awesome and you start to ignore all the red flags about this specific man because you just want him so bad. But then when you actually get him, you're like, oh, this isn't that great. Well, you could say the same thing about food. As soon as you say that chocolate is so bad and you can't have it because it's so full of sugar and blah, 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 and you put it on this pedestal, well, as soon as you give in and you do have a little bit of chocolate, well, the floodgates are open and you're eating the whole bar. You're eating the stale chocolate cereal from two years ago in the back of your pantry. And then you're sticking your fingers into the peanut butter jar and just going crazy because it's like, oh my God, I told myself I couldn't eat all these foods. Now that I've had one little taste, I just want it all. And then afterward, you feel crappy. You feel guilty. You feel shameful. You beat yourself up. Sometimes people take on dangerous behaviors to compensate, like making themselves throw up or taking laxatives or over-exercising to the point of fatigue. It gets really toxic. All in all to say is when you follow all these random arbitrary rules, you're eventually going to break. The subconscious is going to look for reasons to get you what you actually want and does a masterful job of talking you into doing what you actually want to do aka eat the chocolate. You'll start to find that maybe after a few weeks of following a re really restrictive, perfect diet, you'll start making little bargains with yourself. We'll use the chocolate example. Maybe you say, well, you know what? Like I've worked out four days in a row. Like I deserve one little bite of chocolate, even though I'm on this no sugar, no fun diet. Uh, you know, and I'll just have one little bite. You know, I deserve it. And then you have the one square and the same thing happens. You just overeat it and feel guilty. Went on a tangent here, but if you if you feel this way, if this has ever been you before, let me know. Send us a DM on Instagram at Nutrition Awareness and be like, yep, I'm the perfectionist. I went through that same binge restrict cycle in some way or another. I'm just kind of curious. I love to know people's stories. The fears of this archetype include the fear of not being good enough or not being perfect. This is often the good little girl syndrome. I know I had this being raised. I was expected to be good, sweet, kind and you just kind of mold yourself into this person that's supposed to be perfect, even though perfect does not exist. And here's the spoiler, and this is still hard for me. I always say I'm like a recovering people pleaser, a people pleaser in remission, if you will. <laughs> but if 
you are trying to be perfect in order to be liked, the irony is nobody likes perfect people. Like, sorry, I mean, that sounds a little mean, but really it being imperfect and being flawed and being vulnerable and goofy and admitting that you like junk food or admitting like, oh yeah, I love chocolate or, you know, yeah, like I gained five pounds this year. That makes you more likable. People like flawed individuals. It makes you more relatable. It makes you more fun. People can be themselves around you. It really opens you up to more full and deep relationships with others. I'm telling you, I know it's hard because so many of us, especially women or people from specific cultures where being perfect and being an overachiever is extremely valued. And maybe as a child, the way you felt love was by being perfect and being excellent and being daddy's little girl with the straight A's and never getting in trouble. But this mindset could really lock you in in all areas of life, but we'll, sp- we'll stick to our own lane here and talk about diets because there is no such thing as a perfect diet. There is no such thing as a perfect body. You will never achieve it. And if you are chasing perfectionism, you're gonna lose. You're gonna lose over and over and over again. I, can, I really just encourage you to maybe get some professional help and speak to someone, speak to us at, the, at Nutrition Awareness. We can help you kind of break through these diet specific barriers of being a perfectionist, because it sucks. And that would be the first solution is to let go of that notion that perfectionism exists and that you need to be perfect to be accepted or loved or worthy. I have a worksheet that I'm going to link in the show notes below. It's the food rules worksheet. And I think this is really helpful for perfectionists and even the yo-yo dieter archetype because as we box ourselves into diet rules, uh, we inevitably break the rules and that cycle continues. So this in this worksheet, uh, it encourages you to adopt eating principles that are valuable to you and ditch the ones that are not. Because you know that there's no such thing as perfect, but there are certain eating practices that can help you achieve realistic, valuable goals. So an example of an eating principle would be, oh, I choose not to eat after dinner because I usually don't make the best decisions when it's late at night. So I I incorporate healthy snacks during the day when I'm hungry so I don't overeat junk food at night. Or maybe another principle is I feel really good when I have protein with my breakfast so I make sure I prioritize it. Uh, This worksheet is really cool. The first step in the worksheet is to brainstorm all the food rules you have followed or that you are following. Uh, Once you're aware of food rules, it can really help you see which ones are contradictory, meaning you might list that fat is bad, carbs are bad, and then like there's nothing else to eat except protein, and that's not a very self-serving way of eating. It can also help you see how many rules that you've been following that don't serve you at all and which ones do have value. And then from there, you can create clarity and stop self-sabotaging with a plethora of rules that all get conjumbled in your head. And you can find clarity on ways of eating that actually are in alignment with how you want to feel and show up in the world. So I'll make sure I link that worksheet below. And I will say if you are a perfectionist or you identify with this all or nothing mindset, you should listen to our podcast episodes number 65 and 53 because they both really expand on this topic and you'll find it valuable. And the fourth archetype is the one that I hold closest. I've definitely dabbled in all of these archetypes, one and three in particular, but number four is my downfall. It's the life of the party archetype. 
I joked with myself, I'm the social butterball. <laughs> I'm kidding, that's, that's insensitive, but this is my own struggle and I can call myself what I want. I like self-deprecating humor, okay? The social butterball is somebody who can just on the day to day make healthy choices intuitively. It's just kind of comes natural. Uh, you enjoy eating healthy. It's not hard for you when you're making dinner or breakfast by yourself or if you're having a snack, like you don't even think about eating junk food, but as soon as the weekend rolls around or you go to a social event, whether it's a party on the weekends or a office lunch or you're going to brunch or maybe there is a special dinner or a happy hour that everyone's going to, you start to get a little bit cray cray with the alcohol or the snacks or the the all you can eat lunch bunch buffet or whatever it is that you're doing you just kind of throw all of your goals out the window and this is not a problem if this is something that you're doing a couple times a week or a month whatever uh, suits your specific lifestyle but if it's happening like two or three days in a row and then Thursday night you know you know if it's happening so much that you're noticing it and you're not feeling very good this could really be a way of self-sabotaging if you're just trying to show up in the world as your best self because if you're over and eating and maybe drinking more than you should on Friday through Sunday well Monday rolls around you're still kind of recovering you don't feel your best and by the time Wednesday comes around you feel good again and then the cycle continues so it's important to recognize that this is you and to really audit your diet overall and identify how much you really are just going off the rails. The underlying fears of this archetype is usually the fear of missing out, FOMO. The fear of overeating on weekends and the anxiety that can cause around social events is also an underlying fear. It doesn't necessarily stop people from doing things and it really shouldn't stop you from living your life, but people begin to feel a little bit anxious before they go out and meet with people or before big events because they do not trust themselves in social situations not to make healthy decisions. So there's two different ways that that could go. It could be the person who just doesn't want to miss out or they fear they might be judged if they don't eat and drink the same way other people do. If everybody else at the bar is going for another round and even though you really don't want or need another round, you're like, well, everyone else is doing it. I'm already here. I'm a little bit inhibited after a couple cocktails. Let's go. Or maybe you just don't want to be judged because you've got some people in your circle who peer pressure you that could be one branch of this archetype and the other one is that one where people feel like a lot of anxiety so they maybe think they're eating healthy on the weekdays but they're actually under eating and then binging at social events where it's a lot easier and more acceptable to overeat and drink and then they're getting some anxiety and fear around leaving the house that's the other branch so the solutions well the first solution would be to the first branch where you have that FOMO that fear of missing out and this would be to ground yourself and face your consequences of the current behaviors that you're uh, following head on, right? Maybe you're feeling uncomfortable, you're having anxiety, um, you're gaining some weight. Really evaluate how overeating and overdrinking is impacting you as a whole person and decide that, hey, you know, you don't have to give up your social life. In fact, I do not want anyone listening to this to feel like the answer is to go out less. In fact, that is the opposite if you are a natural social butterfly or an extrovert. We know that one of the leading causes of mortality is social isolation and loneliness. So I don't want you to stop going out, but maybe you should really share your goals with your social circle or your colleagues about, hey, you know what, guys, like, I don't want to miss out. But I noticed that when we all go out together, I tend to take this as a reason to just overeat and overconsume 
food I really just don't feel good eating. And you don't have to put the blame on them and you really should not put the blame on them. You have to take personal accountability here. But just having a vulnerable conversation, being like, guys, like maybe, you know, is there a way that sometimes we could do other things that don't revolve around food and drink? Or are you guys gonna be okay if I just eat before we go? Or if I don't drink tonight? Or if I just, you know, call it quits a little bit early? If you're vulnerable and open with people about your goals, the people that genuinely care about you are totally going to be cool with it. They're going to support you and love you through it. And the hard truth is the people that give you some issues are probably not the people you want to be around with anyway. I would say one thing that always helps me to think of, because I'm guilty of being on the other end of this, is if people are peer pressuring you to eat the same way that you were, that you express makes you feel uncomfortable, they're probably projecting their own insecurities about food onto you. They're probably um, projecting their own desire to want to change, but they don't feel as confident that they can like you can. Or maybe they're just afraid that they're going to lose you. They're afraid that you're not going to be the same person that they used to have fun with and that they could pig out with or be gluttonous with. And that's why they're doing it. It's usually nothing personal with you. And you can have that conversation with those individuals if it suits you. Or you can just accept that they're on their own journey and this is your journey and do that same exercise that I talked about in Archetype 2 with the dreamers where you get clear on your purpose and your why. It helps keep you grounded. If you identify with the second branch of the life of the party and your fear is actually the anxiety of overeating on weekends, I would really audit your diet throughout the week and make sure you're eating enough and that your idea of good eating or clean eating is actually adequate to support your basic metabolic needs, meaning the calories and nutrients it requires to just keep you alive. Because if you're constantly under eating and you enter a situation or an environment where food is plentiful, then you are going to overeat. It's just your body's way of protecting you and forcing you to eat all of the calories you need to sustain life can be a very mentally exhausting cycle. So pr- I promise you, and, and I'd really encourage you if this is if this is the fear that you have, like you have a fear of not trusting yourself in social situations, that you work with one of our dietitians because we can hold your hand through this process and show you that eating more during the week helps you eat less in triggering situations helps you not have cravings, helps you eliminate that urge to binge, and makes you feel so much better during the week. I mean, you just have so much more energy when you actually fuel yourself correctly and don't overwhelm your system with a bunch of less nutritious options at social events. I swear by it up and down. One of our dietitians can really help you change your life if you are somebody who is binge eating, even in private. So there you guys have it. Those are the four struggling diet archetypes. Again, I'm really curious if any of these archetypes identified with you. If you feel comfortable, screenshot this podcast and post it on your Instagram stories and tell us which archetype you are. Uh, Tag us at at nutrition.awareness or just send us a DM. Say like, hey, I listened to the episode about the dieting archetypes and I totally feel like I'm archetype number two and three. (laughs) right so let me know I'm just curious if any of these uh sat well with you and if you need a little help if you need more solutions if you need one-on-one coaching apply for that daily accountability program I mentioned in archetype one that link is in the show notes we can really help you change your life using nutrition you'll actually be talking to a real dietitian not a robot
All right, guys, I'm going to sign off. Hopefully the next few episodes, it will be Megan and I back to our usual format. But for now, it's just me, just Kate signing off. I love and appreciate you guys and have an awesome week.